Ideas that no one else can have are freed when you feel safe. Your inner genius sits up and is like, yes, celebrates. And humanity can only evolve. Welcome to the Liminal Zone Alchemist, the podcast for when you're stuck between the patterns of your past and the pull of your purpose. I'm your host, Sally Hardy, and each week I'll be challenging your understanding of what it is to be a human in the modern world. I'll help you free your innate genius from the socialized shadows, reconnect with your inner knowing, and lean into that pool, letting your purpose guide and support you with ease to the impact that only you can make in the world. Okay, get comfy, set your brain to curious, and let's get on with the episode. Hello, sweet pea. How are you? I hope you're well. I hope you're happy. And I hope you have yourself buckled in. This week, (laughs) we're talking about safety. Safety is my zone of genius, I guess. Safety is the thing that I hope to deliver to the whole world, directly or indirectly. I have a big mission up and down the generations as well as spanning all the locations. Safety is something that I am very familiar with. It's something that I feel very comfortable with. But I'm really aware that we have been conditioned to mistrust ourselves, to believe that if we feel safe, we're going to do harm, (laughs) which is kind of crazy, right? If we feel safe enough to, we're going to make some really crazy decisions that will harm us, harm others, harm relationships, harm humanity. So I wanted to give this episode to discuss what safety is and to bust the fuck out of some of the biggest bullshit myths that I have heard around safety. There probably won't be quite so much swearing later on as there is right now, but I do feel very strongly about it. When I was like, right, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about. I thought, okay, right. I, how do I want to define safety? I know what it feels like in my body, but this is a podcast. (laughs) So how can I describe it into people's ears in a way that they can understand that they can experience safety? It's kind of a bit of a slippy thing. I was like, right, oh, maybe, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll look at the dictionary for a definition of safety. And what's so interesting is because, is because, is that a dictionary definition of safety involves a lack of danger. It involves what isn't there. It's defined as a freedom from danger or risk. So safety as per the dictionary is defined as an absence of danger. There are no nuances there, no psychological as opposed to physical interpretations, emotional, no perceived versus real danger, no feeling, just the objective 3D world of an absence of something. Which is interesting, isn't it? Danger, by comparison, when I look that up, has a huge definition huge definition, be harm, damage, injury, pain, loss. These two definitions are a beautiful example of the negativity bias of the human brain. 
A human brain pays so much more attention to what could go wrong (laughs) than what could go right. So then it kind of makes sense to me why feeling safe may feel dangerous, even though safety is the absence of danger. So I'm going to offer you my definition because I found the dictionary to be, you know, it just didn't cut the mustard for me. So my definition of safety, should you be interested, And like I said, I'm also going to respond to the most common concerns that I hear from people when they consider feeling safe, moving into safety. So safety for me, I know I'm safe when I am capable of being bored. (laughs) This drives my kids absolutely crazy. They say, I'm bored, and I say, that's great. (laughs) Then you must be safe enough to use your imagination, which is the next way that I define safety. When I can imagine, when I can be creative, when I can play. I feel safe when stakes are low, when there is a low risk when I can experiment and the results of my experiment don't mean anything about me. When I'm safe, I can critically think. My prefrontal cortex can run the show. I can access all of the yummy creativity that's there. And I define safety in a body sense, safety as a regulated nervous system. So when I can critically think and when I have an ability to accept without condoning the circumstances of my life as they are, and I have the freedom to change them, that's when I know I'm regulated. And when I'm regulated, that can only happen when my body feels safe. But we've been taught that changing our lives as we wish to is not good behavior. So if we wish to change something in our life, if we wish to do something different, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We have to do things the same way we've always done them and the way that other people have done them. We aren't to be trusted with our desires, our want, our power, left to our own devices without being bullied to be productive to be consistent without the threat of punishment, we probably wouldn't behave honorably to ourselves or others. This is what we have been taught to believe. And this is the kind of underpinning of the three most common concerns that I find with my clients of what could go wrong with feeling safe. And they are, safety is not compatible with the reality of the world that we live in which is basically like, to feel safe, I have to stick my hands over my ears and my eyes simultaneously and yell, la, 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 la. I have to put blinkers on to what's really happening. That's that's a concern that comes up really often. Another one is, it's not possible for me. It's not possible for me to feel safe. I've tried everything and nothing has worked. So this idea that safety is only for certain people and there's usually privilege attached to that. And then kind of the, the meatiest or the, like the most multi-layered, I suppose, is that it's not safe for me to feel safe. Just like a, an enigma wrapped up in a riddle, wrapped up in a paradox. It's not safe for me to feel safe. 
And there are two main kind of constituent parts of this. The first part is if, if I do feel safe to be me, then I'm going to be attacked, right? I'll be defenseless. If I feel safe, then I'm going to be out there and someone's going to, someone's going to have at me or society will have at me. And the other part of it is if I feel safe enough to do anything, anything that I want to do, all the things that I want to do, then I'll do stupid things. <laughs> I'll do destructive things, right? I'll just, I'll, I'll quit everything. I'll tell everyone to fuck off. I'll sit on the sofa and eat ice cream all day. And then I'll die alone, surrounded by years worth of old newspapers and smelling of cat wee. So these are very human concerns. These are common concerns. I hear them regularly and I don't say that to dismiss them, quite the opposite. I say that, that if any of these have occurred to you, that you know it's a human thing, it's not a you thing. And I'm going to address each of these concerns one by one. Firstly, this idea that for us to feel safe, we have to ignore what's going on in the world. Like safety, feeling inner safety is basically lying about reality. It's not my safety feeling on the inside is not compatible with reality of the world that we live in. This is an evolutionary fear. Let's for a moment separate the happenings in the actual world, like the facts and the circumstances from your internal world. Feeling safe on the inside is one thing and it will not prevent bad things happening to you, around you. But what it does is it increases your capacity, it increases your ability to deal with the real life things when it does happen, when they do happen. It increases the likelihood of you dealing with them in a way that's in line with your values and who you want to be in this world. Because when you feel safe inside yourself, your prefrontal cortex, that clever, clever thinking part of your brain is vibing, right? And it can do all of its clever tricks of strategy and planning and creative thinking and imagination. When your body feels safe, when you have inner safety and you understand what regulated feels like, what recovery feels like, what rest feels like, self-care feels like, in a way that actually nourishes you, you have a greater capacity for when big things happen. You have an ability to understand how to recover. Avoiding life in order to feel safe is not safety. <laughs> it's not inner safety. That is a safety that requires you hiding from life so that you can pretend bad things don't happen. That type of safety, that isn't inner safety, it depends on the outside world to provide you that safety, which in and of itself requires you to control the things that happen around you, to hide from them, to avoid them. This is a socialized version of safety. This is actually what we are moving from when we develop inner safety, because inner safety ensures that you have access to a heart-led plan to care for yourself and soothe your central nervous system in the ways that really matter to you when the world goes sideways, because the world is the world and things happen. So this evolutionary fear, this trait to see danger that we all have, when it's not relied on for every single wrinkle in life, when your body develops an understanding of what is danger that is happening in the outside world, as opposed to 
this inner perception of danger, this can relax. It can relax the hell out. And then something very interesting happened because a regulated system with inner safety becomes excellent at noticing where the real danger lies. So the inner relaxation also opens up the opportunity for intuition in a more nuanced sense to play a part in your life. So actually developing inner safety enables you to deal with the actual danger in the world as it happens in a more nuanced way. The second element that comes up very often is this concept that it's not possible for me. It's possible for other people to feel safe. I've tried everything. Nothing's worked for me. It's just not possible for me. Culturally, we are conditioned to believe that we are less than, that we are broken in some way, that there is something wrong with us if we don't meet a standardized norm. And the standardized norm has this perfect life, right? They're the perfect color, they're the perfect height, they've got the perfect hair, the perfect house, the, they're you know, the perfect body, they have the perfect abilities in all the ways, they've got a perfect brain, all the things, the perfect gender. Well, that is just a fantasy. It's what Cara Lowenthal would call a perfectionist fantasy. There is no safety in perfect. Perfect doesn't exist. And safety is messy. And sometimes it feels like ass. Safety is knowing that it can all go wrong, all go wrong, and you still have your own back. It doesn't mean that you never feel fear. So if you're stretching towards feeling safe and you feel fear, there's no failure there. Safety includes fear. It's about expanding in the direction of your desires. It's about tolerating the discomfort that may come with that. It's about understanding what is culturally conditioned and what is genuine danger. It's about expanding with yourself, not in spite of yourself, not over the top of your central nervous system. It's about incorporating your lived experience, all of the messiness of it. We don't need to be scrubbed out to be perfect, to feel safe. There's no need to judge who we are. Safety includes all of it. Like your body includes your kidney and your stomach and your heart and your bones. Safety includes all of you exactly as you are with the central nervous system that you have, with your epigenetics, with your lived experience and moving the kind of unreal machine consistency standardized norm expectations for how safe should feel or how it should be or the kind of person who gets to feel safe moving that out of the way allows us to see that we're not broken or wrong or a problem we're human you don't need to do more to be the right kind of person that's just a, that's a pathology that's a pathology that says we need to be somebody different than we are which is fabrication we don't need to be the standardized norm. You don't need to be the standardized norm to feel safe. The pullback from trying to be somebody else or trying to get to a certain point to, to like win, to earn, to, to be worthy of safety, for example, the pullback from this is only ever social. That's not to dismiss the impact of that cultural imprint, but if you believe that becoming safe as you means that you may move against the tribe, your brain may perceive that 
you're moving against the common understanding of safety, i.e. you are moving against safety, i.e. you are moving into danger, and that feels scary. But it doesn't mean that you've failed. It means that your lived experience and your central nervous system needs to do it in the way that's right for you. And you get to do it in small ways, incrementally. You get to build up your central nervous system's resilience to being you, to stretching, to sampling what your brain and your body may perceive as danger intentionally and recovering from it. So if you think about learning French, you could just sell everything and move to France and like full exposure, just dive, ah, you know, sink or swim. There's throwing yourself in to the whole experience and everything that that would entail. And there's staying where you are right now, which is not a bad decision. Like neither of these are better or worse. They're staying where you are and taking lessons in French and introducing yourself to the language in that way and practicing it in a way that you can build up tolerance within your central nervous system. And then you get to move to France. Neither is better, neither is wrong. Just different ways of doing what it is that you wish to do. Your safety and how you get there is as bespoke to you as your central nervous system is, as your lived experience is, as your epigenetics are, as your DNA is. Your way to get there may have some of the similar kind of strategic underpullings, as in, okay, this is the conditioning that I have received, and becoming aware of that is going to enable me to step into things that I believe and step into things that I know. So there may be some structural similarities in your route and somebody else's route, but your pace, how you want to do it, which direction you want to move in, all of this is totally bespoke to you. You get to take it slow or fast, you get to take the windy path, you get to take the path with a view, you get to do it all your way. You get to have your own back. You get to feel safe knowing that it can go wrong and you'll have your own back. It doesn't mean that you never feel fear. It's about expanding in the direction of your desires, doing what you want to do. You get to be confused. You get to stretch and recover. You get to fail. You get to succeed. You get to laugh and cry. It's all part of the human experience. Nothing has gone wrong here. The third area that comes up so much is this paradox of it's not safe to feel safe. And this is something I go through with my clients. We use an expression of it is now safe to. And the now is important in this because it acknowledges that at times in your lived experience, you learned that it was not safe to feel safe. And now it is safe to feel safe. I mean, this idea that if I feel safe to be me, I'll lower my defenses and I'll be attacked. This feeds off the survival strategies of inclusion to the tribe by sameness. This is the same strategy that underpins the concept that difference and change is punishable, which itself is the underpinning of systems of oppression, racism, ableism, sectarianism, so many isms. And I think we all instinctively know, and perhaps it's hidden in a little dark corner, but I think we all know that we are original, that we are unique, because otherwise none of this would be an issue, right? Being safe to be me. Wouldn't be an issue if me wasn't original, wasn't a bit different. And we know, 
or at least we've been taught that culturally different gets punished. So our brain's been conditioned to see variation from the standardized norm as a threat, including within ourselves. We have internalized that. Now, this is a myth, but it also has some practical real world stuff about it. So I wanted to offer you this. Inner safety understands real world risk and puts appropriate, energetically mature protection in place. This is not hiding. This is appropriate protection for you to show up as you choose, as much as you choose, with whomever you choose, and be aware of yourself sufficiently to recognize when you may want to change your level of protection, increasing or decreasing it. Think of this like sun cream. Sun cream is adaptable to the sun conditions and the context of your skin, but it doesn't prevent or restrict movement, nor does it mean that you have to stay in the sun until the sun is all used up, <laughs> right? Or even until your sun cream is all used up. You get to check in with your skin. Does it look a little red? When was the last time I applied the sunblock? Do I want to change the protection factor the next time I go out? Did I go red faster than I was anticipating? Maybe I burned a little bit. It's not the sun's fault that I burned. It's not the sun cream's fault that I burned. And it's not my fault that I burned. It is just data. It's data that enables me to change, amend my protection next time. Maybe next time I'm going to avoid a particular time of day. If like me, you have Irish milk bottle skin, <laughs> I've got to be super careful not to shock it when I first go somewhere where there is a lot of sun. My skin literally goes, what? So I go out and I do my walking first thing in, the, in a hot climate. I do my walking first thing in the morning. I avoid the midday sun. And I've got so much white hair that now actually my scalp burns. So I, I wear a sun hat, which does not suit me, but... <laughs> these things I have learned. It's really different to how I treated my skin when I was younger. My head didn't used to burn. I learned through experience, data. So sun cream, okay. Now listen, a full head balaclava, tinted snow goggles, and a ski suit would do the same job of protecting my skin in the sun, right? I wouldn't I look stylish <laughs> and eccentric on a beach. But those things, those tools may not be the most appropriate method of protection because I'm going to superheat up on the inside of that, right? And my, what I can do is going to be restricted. And if I decide that I'm going to go swimming, I think I'm just going to, you know, sink like a clogged up panty liner. That's just going to be awful. I'm going to come unstuck pretty quickly. That was an awful, brilliant example. Your authenticity, your inner safety, your self-trust, self-reliance, these are allies to be compassionately attended to to be nourished, to be entered into conversation with. What do they need to flourish? They are not to be like thrown out ahead of ourself, like a, like a coat over a puddle, in such a way that bunches of people just walk past and trample all over your safety. You care for your safety and your safety cares for you. Inner safety doesn't encourage you to take greater risks because you feel immortal. And you're not going to stand in front of a fast moving train because you feel inner safety. It is safe for you to trust you. It is safe for you to feel safe. Inner safety allows your brain to learn the difference between real danger and perceived or inherited or internalized 
or socialized signals of risk. Your clarity on this enables you to apply an intentional you-centric process for real-world protection from inner safety. And when you honor this process and you care for your inner safety, you can increase your capacity to tolerate discomfort. Discomfort is not unsafety, <laughs> okay? Discomfort is stretching the limits that your brain and your body may perceive as danger, but they are not real danger. So when you increase your capacity to tolerate discomfort, intentional discomfort, you can stretch the limits of what you believe is possible. Knowing in advance that you're going to recover from them, you're going to look after yourself, you're going to soothe and nourish and care for you. The more inner safety you feel, the less likely you are to put yourself in genuine danger. Why would you ask yourself that? Why would I intentionally put myself in danger if I felt safe? Why would I do that? The other side of this is, well, if I feel safe enough to do anything, I'll do something really stupid. I'll just destroy everything. I'll, I'll leave my family. I'll go traveling. I'll quit my job. I'll sit on the sofa. I'll eat ice cream. I'll never ever create anything of benefit to myself or humanity. I will die alone and only my fleas will warn me. And this is truly one of the biggest and most common concerns. I mean, not like that specific, but you know, the theme of all of them. And I find this fascinating that we have been so conditioned to distrust ourselves that the idea of inner safety, where we can choose to do whatever we please without, without threat or punishment from somebody else, that this idea, it feels inevitable that we would destroy our life. I mean, like if we aren't forced or bullied into being productive, we won't create or produce that if we are safe enough to do whatever we want, we'll find our happiness numbing out and doing nothing, destroying what may well actually give us joy right now. And that if we feel safe enough to be ourselves, like really us, fully expressed, that we will discover we are eminently unlovable. This breaks my heart. It is such a toxic, thick, syrupy plague of nastiness that we have been fed. And it is not true. And I really want you to question this for yourself, not just hear it from me, but question it for yourself. If you could do anything in the world, if you genuinely felt safe to, would you choose to not care for yourself? Would you choose to have nothing to do with humanity? Would you choose to do nothing but eat ice cream all day? I mean, some of these concepts, they, they might actually provide a little insight into what you're denying yourself on a day-to-day -day basis. Like if you could do anything in the world and your first option is to become like a, a, a full-on hedonist that just it eats and has sex and, and sits on the sofa and watches TV all day. If that is like, that is what I want to do forever for the rest of my life. Oh, that's curious. I would, firstly, I would question that because I sort of feel like that is numbing from something just as much as addiction is. And when you feel safe, there's no requirement to numb. You feel your feelings. But if that is the first thing that occurs to you, where are you denying yourself pleasure right now? If you felt safe enough to make whatever decision you wanted to, how would you know what to choose? Hmm? From joy and desire, that's how.
Would it feel joyful to you? And do you desire to never move your body again? Do you desire to not feel the thrum of creation, of dancing, of singing, of sketching, of throwing a ball, of being with other humans when you want to be and not being with them when you don't, of following your curiosity and leaning into the talents that you have? Does that feel joyful to have a life where you don't follow your curiosity? Perhaps that is for you. And that's okay. That's curious in and of itself. For me, when I feel safe, I find where I am truly pulled. I find where my desire is taking me. And 100% of the time, that's been really exciting and interesting. Not always comfortable, but we're told if we care for ourselves, if we choose what we want to do in the world, that we're selfish, that we're self-centered. I want to offer you that I have personally never ever felt more loved and cared for and supported than when I've been in the company of someone who cares for themselves wholly, who needs nothing from me, but wants to, chooses to spend their time with me. Someone who feels safe enough to have a different opinion to me and safe enough to hold that opinion in the face of my opinion without ego, who feels safe enough to change their mind if they wish to and care for themselves ahead of how they care for me because I feel safe enough to care for me. So I also need nothing from them, which can sound like an insult, right? I don't need you. God, I just think it's the biggest compliment in the world. When you care for yourself, when you feel safe enough to feel safe, it's an expansive, creative space. Humans would have to try really pretty hard to not create. We are creative creatures. I've never met more creative people than those who are overflowing with sufficiency. You know, another word for sufficiency, safety. So does your life become perfect when you develop the skill of inner safety? Does it become free of actual real life danger? No, not at all. What your life becomes is more than perceived danger. It becomes more than the space between perceived danger, ricocheting between chaos to drama. Interrelating has no requirement. There's no demand. There's no expectation or conditions upon the love that you give or that you receive. You want to sit on the sofa, you sit on the sofa. Being able to love without condition increases your ability to love and therefore makes you eminently loveable. You have love ability. But the greatest gift of inner safety is that it opens you up to whatever the hell there is in life that we can't explain. When you feel safe, you have greater access to your intuition, your inner desires, your potential, not in a like a productive potential type sense, in a bespoke to your path, in a your talents, in a your desires. Your desires are the roadmap to your future. Will every decision that you make when you feel safe enough to do so end up exactly as you want? Probably not just as it doesn't now. But it isn't the job of intuition or inner safety to lead you in the direction of greatest comfort. It takes you to greatest growth. And that may well include discomfort. Inner safety doesn't exclude discomfort. Inner safety allows you to understand what that discomfort is, to choose it intentionally in the direction of your desire. And that 
that's where the magic begins. When you begin to think and intuit and follow your desires as only you can, that is, that's when the world shifts, the whole world. No one else may notice, but it happens. And while they may not be directly aware of it, indirectly, humanity changes. Ideas that no one else can have are freed when you feel safe. Your inner genius sits up and is like, yes, celebrates. And humanity can only evolve. Like Frodo finally throwing the ring into the fiery lava of the volcano. It's like Frodo allowed everyone to feel safe, even those people who had never heard of Mordor, even those people who had never heard of Sauron. Those people were more safe because of the journey that he took. Your work to inner safety benefits you first, but it benefits humanity. It benefits the whole of humanity because you are part of the whole. And that evolution, that benefit comes because you have taken the time and put the intention into journeying to the center of you and alchemizing yourself to safety. It is now safe for you to feel safe. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope very much that you did, don't forget to hit subscribe so all future episodes get automatically downloaded to your listening platform. And come hang out with me over on Instagram. My handle is at sallyhardy underscore coach. 